Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. Today's topic is sexual compatibility. Yes, we're going to talk about sexual compatibility. This is a subject that most couples don't really talk about. Now, people who are getting to know each other and they want to have a serious relationship, they will definitely spend a lot of time together. And they're trying to figure out if they are generally compatible. But unfortunately, they will not talk about sex the majority of the time. They will talk about a lot of other things and sex will be the last subject that they discuss. Now, they may avoid this subject because of their own personal fears, insecurities, and uncertainties. They may be afraid of rejection and judgment. Unfortunately, most people will engage in sexual activities before ever talking about it. Now, afterwards, they may figure out the hard way if they are sexually compatible on the basis of their physical attraction, sexual chemistry, or level of sexual satisfaction. But this is not always the best action to take because these experiences may not be an indication of sexual compatibility all the time. It's important to build a strong emotional and mental foundation in a relationship before having sex. Most people can prevent a broken heart or wasting their time if they would just invest more time to get to know one another before jumping into bed together. A lot can be discovered through an honest and open conversation about sex. Everyone based on their individual background, family history, and values will have a different view on sexuality. Sexuality is not fixed in stone. Individuals are always changing due to their personal beliefs, life experience, level of maturity, social environment, and life experiences. We can't automatically assume where they are on a sexual level and guess what they want. It's very important to find out what they think about sex to see if they can be a good match. Sexuality doesn't exist in a vacuum. Sexuality is one aspect of a romantic relationship. It's not the only thing that should matter. Sexuality is part of the spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical intimate bond of a healthy relationship. Sexuality shouldn't be about superficial standards, unrealistic expectations, mechanical performances, or repeated orgasm. It's so much more than that. It's an expression of love, intimacy, and unity. Its use is for bonding, healing, and growing. That's what sexuality is truly about. It is ultimately a form of bonding, pair bonding in particular, because you have two people who are connecting on a physical, emotional, and mental, and spiritual level. And it's also for healing. Sexuality is very healing. All right? So let's go ahead on and talk about sexual compatibility. What is 
sexual compatibility because a lot of people have no idea what that is. Now, sexual compatibility is when two lovers share similar sexual values, views, desires, needs, appetite, and expression. Sexual compatibility is when both persons in the relationship are willing to compromise to meet each other's sexual needs. Now, let's talk about the following. What do they have to agree on? When people decide to have sex, they have to come to some type of mutual agreement, mutual understanding. That's something that has to be done. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't do this. They have no idea how to communicate openly and honestly about their sexual feelings. A lot of people don't talk about their vulnerability when it comes to sexuality. They don't talk about those things because sexuality is such a private and intimate thing. But if you are going to be having sex, it's important to talk about sex before you get there. So you know exactly what to expect. You know exactly what are the needs you're going to be meeting. You know exactly what your partner want and don't want, what they like and don't like. So let's just go ahead on and get to some of the things that need to be uncovered, discovered, and discussed. Now, you got to communicate about your sexual desires before sex, during sex, and after sex. Now, before you ever get sexual with your partner, you need to talk about sex. After you start having sex, you need to talk about sex. While you're doing sex, you could talk about sex. Those are the things that can happen. Sexuality doesn't have to be a one-dimensional conversation. It could be a multi-dimensional conversation. Have been happening at different times. You have to be willing to establish sexual boundaries and respect those boundaries. And we'll talk about sexual boundaries in a minute. Being receptive to partner's sexual requests and desire. Being flexible and willing to sacrifice for partner's sexual needs. We're going to talk about that, right? When we say sacrifice, we're not saying that you have to allow yourself to be degraded, to be harmed, to be injured, to be abused, to be exploited. We're not talking about sacrificing in a negative way. When we say you're willing to sacrifice for your partner's sexual needs, meaning that sometimes sexuality may be inconvenience. Okay? You may have sex when you may not necessarily want to have sex. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you had a long day. Maybe you stress out, but because you know that your partner has sexual needs and you want to be able to fulfill those needs, therefore you're willing to do it. Not because it's a task, it's a chore, it's a duty, it's an obligation, it's a job. You're doing it because you want to please your partner. You want to love your partner. You want to share with your partner. You want to give your partner something that is important to them. And because it's important to them, it's important to you. And sometimes even when you don't want to have sex, once you do it, you do feel better. Because sexuality is healing. It's relaxing. It's soothing. 
It's a de-stressor, right? So this has been medically proven through research that sexuality is definitely something that has medical benefits, physical benefits, emotional benefits, spiritual benefits, benefits on all levels, mental as well, right? So I just wanted to clarify this statement about sacrificing because some people think that sacrificing is being rape. No, it has nothing to do with that. Sacrificing is being subjugated to perverted sex. Sacrificing has nothing to do with that. Okay, sacrificing is something that you agree to do because it's something that you want to do, it's something that's healthy, it's something that's beneficial to both parties. All right, making adjustment to partner sexual changes. Now, once you meet somebody, this is how they think about sexuality when you meet them. Now, they may not have that same mindset concept or perception of sex throughout the whole relationship. Obviously, they can change at any time. And if you are compatible, you're willing to adjust to those changes, right? Now, it doesn't mean that you have to adjust to all changes because some things are just not your cup of tea and you don't have to do those things. We'll talk about it. But right now, we're just simply stating how people are compatible. They're compatible because they're willing to make the adjustment. Some people won't do it at all. They're not even entertained the possibility of adjusting their sexual practices. They're not going to do it. So that would make them not compatible with their partner. Now, being willing to teach and guide partner when necessary. Okay, not, not everybody is going to be an expert in sexuality. Not everybody's going to have the same level of experience. Everybody's not going to have the same degree of awareness of sexuality in terms of what brings them pleasure or brings their partner pleasure. They're not going to be aware of different techniques. They're not going to be aware of different styles, different positions, different erogenous zones. You know, sometimes they may not come with all that knowledge, but the other partner is willing to teach them if they are naive or they are not aware. That is sexual compatibility when you are willing to teach your partner and then the opposite, you're willing to learn. Because a lot of people are so close-minded about sexuality that they're accustomed to doing it a certain way or having a certain experience and they don't ever want to do anything differently. They don't ever want to learn anything, try anything, or do anything. And we'll talk more about that. Now, being willing to enjoy the sexual journey and new experiences with your partner. This is what makes you compatible when you agree to do these things. All right. Now, sexual comfortability, security and satisfaction are the goal. When you're having sex with your partner, it's about them being happy, safe, secure, comfortable and satisfied. That's what sexuality is about. It's not a one-way street. It's not about just your own personal satisfaction and that's it. Okay? You want your partner to feel safe during sex with no fears or worries. You want that partner to feel so comfortable. You want them to be in total peace. 
They have peace of mind. They don't have to worry about you violating them. They don't have to worry about you using them, abusing them, hurting them. They feel extremely comfortable having no shame or guilt for any sexual thoughts or behavior. If you are compatible with your partner, you're not going to have any shame or guilt. Your partner is not going to judge you because of your sexual thoughts or behavior. Now, they may not like some things you say or do. They're just going to simply make you aware of that. They're not going to judge you, condemn you, criticize you, put you down. Okay, when you feel comfortable and you're compatible, you don't have to worry about that. Being comfortable with certain sexual acts, right? You're very comfortable to try different things. And your partner is not going to force, coerce, or intimidate you. They're going to let you do it at your own pace. And they're going to make sure that you're comfortable, you're safe, and you're satisfied. Feeling good as an individual and couple about sexual practices. Right? You're not going to do anything that you're going to be ashamed of. You're not going to do anything that's going to make you feel less than or not good enough. Don't feel helpless or powerless during sex. You're not going to feel that way. You're going to be empowered by this sex. You're going to feel very, very, very comfortable. You're going to feel that you're in a position of flexibility where you can be heard. Your voice will be heard. Your wants and your desires will be heard and understood and fulfilled. Feel in control to stop or change anything during the sex act. You're not going to feel like you don't have any rights here because a lot of people, specifically women, majority of the time, um, they feel like they can't change anything. They feel like they are at the mercy of their lover. They have to go along with the program and they have to do whatever is required of them. They can't say no. Obviously, then you're not compatible with your partner sexually if you feel that way. Okay, Knowing your desires and wishes will be respected and honored. You know that no matter what you say to your partner, they're going to respect that and honor it if it's okay with them to honor it. They can respect it. Honor it may be that they may not want to do that, but they can still respect your right to want those things. They're not going to laugh in your face and call you a freak or call you nasty. They're going to respect your desire. This is what you want. This is what you want. Now, maybe they can grant you that wish and maybe they can't. If they can't, maybe they can find an alternative, right? Let's continue the conversation. Couples can determine if they're sexually compatible by having a discussion about the following sexual topics to gain more understanding of each other's sexual views, desires, and concern. Very important. Ladies and gentlemen, please take note. Find out about your partner's personal sexual morality, beliefs, attitude, and integrity. Is very important. That is how you're going to know if you're compatible. You have to know your partner's personal sexual morality benefits. Benefits. Beliefs, attitudes, and integrity. Right? Personal morality and beliefs. Not everyone share the same sexual morality. But everyone has a sexual morality. Even if they're not consciously aware of it. 
or they're not willing to discuss it. Unfortunately, most people don't usually talk about their sexual morals, but their sexual decisions, behaviors, and lifestyle will definitely reveal what they believe. They will definitely reveal what their sexual morality beliefs, attitude, integrity is. Just watch what they do. Now let's talk about what is going to reveal their sexual morality. Now what are the principles, rules, values, and standards that govern their sexuality? That's how you're going to find out their sexual morality. They do. Everybody. They have rules, principles, values, standards. What do they believe in? What do they believe in? You have to ask them those questions. What did your sexual morals come from? Where did your sexual morals come from? Did your sexual morals come from your family, your friends, society, the culture that you live in, the school that you went, the religion that you practice? Okay, where did your sexual morals come from? What external and internal factors influence your sexual morals? Was it your personal experience, your friends, pornography, social media? How did you come to have these sexual beliefs, these sexual rules or principles? How did you come to get those things? Are you sexually conservative or liberal? What do you consider to be sexually good or bad? Very important. Ask these questions. What does sexuality mean to you from a moral, spiritual, religious, and cultural standpoint? Will you feel guilty, ashamed, or disturbed if you don't practice your sexual morals? What do you use to define sexuality and what's your sexual framework? And who's telling you about sex? Some people, they don't learn sex in a healthy way. They learn sex in an unhealthy way. Maybe they grew up in a culture that sees sex as something nasty, dirty, or perverted. Maybe they grew up in a culture that saw sex as something that you do for fun or recreation. Or maybe they grew up in a culture where sex is for procreation, meaning that you have babies. That's the only reason why you have sex, not for fun. Or a culture that promotes sexuality as a natural, beautiful bonding experience between a male and a female, right? Depends on where that person comes from, right? Now, what is your perception of sexuality as a male or female? Are there different standards for men and women? Very important because most cultures, most societies have a double standard when it comes to sexuality. They expect certain things from men and they don't expect it from women. Or they expect women to do certain things sexually, and they don't expect men to do it at all. Now, one of the things is being promiscuous. In most societies, males can go and have an unlimited amount of sexual partners, and they're not labeled to be promiscuous. But if a woman, she has more than two or three sexual partners, automatically she's labeled promiscuous. Now, that's that double standard. Okay, now what is your interpretation of sexuality? Something that is natural and beautiful or something that is toxic and dysfunctional? How do you perceive your own sexual experiences? What's your goal or objective when having sex? Are you mindful or intentional about your sex? Because some people have sex just to be having sex. 
They just have sex just to be having sex. I mean, they just want to have an orgasm. Some people want to have sex because they want to physically and emotionally bond. Some people want to have sex because they stress out. Some people want to have sex because they have a lot on their mind and they want to be distracted. Some people want to have sex because they want healing. Some people want to have sex because they just want to have fun. Some people have sex just to burn some calories. It's like exercise. So you got to find out what's your partner's goal or objective when they're having sex. These are some of the questions that you could ask to get to know what their personal sexual morality may be, right? Now, what are their core sexual values and belief? Because core sexual values and belief determine how sexuality is defined. What sexual decisions are made and what sexual behaviors are acceptable, all right? So you got to ask a person what they believe. Don't ask them, will they do certain things? Ask them what they believe. Once you know what they believe, then you'll know what will be acceptable to do and what won't be acceptable to do. Now, human sexuality should be honored, respected, and appreciated. There shouldn't be no shame, guilt, anxiety, stress, or any negativity associated with this beautiful gift given to the human race. Now, it is specifically for pair bonding in a relationship, in an intimate relationship. It's also for personal pleasure and procreation. So sexuality plays multiple roles. Okay, We have to learn to eradicate and dismiss old, false, and destructive beliefs about sexuality. Humans are spiritual, physical, mental, and sexual beings. There's no need to hide, suppress, or deny an important part of who we are. We need to learn to embrace our natural body and show gratitude for this physical vessel that allows us to experience every aspect of this life. Humans can control their sexual impulses, their sexual appetite, their sexual urges, and sexual desires to have a healthy relationship within a committed relationship. They can utilize discipline to maintain balance, order, and structure in their lives. Now, human sexuality should never be objectified and commodified. Sex isn't a thing or object to be sold or exchanged for anything. Sex should never be used as a business transaction or as a form of currency. Human sexuality should never be used to exploit, abuse, or harm anyone. Sex shouldn't involve any power struggles, control issues, coercion, intimidation, violence, aggression, or punishment. If if these things happen, this translates into sexual abuse, rape, sexual assault, molestation, or incest. This is what comes out of sexual coercion, intimidation, violence, aggression, or punishment. Unfortunately, some people, particularly men, can use sex as a form of punishment, especially when it comes to rape or sexual insult. They want to punish a woman. They think a woman is out of control, defiant, stubborn, hardhead. How do they get her back in line? Some cultures advocate rape. This is how they put her back in line. So rape is not about sexual pleasure. It's about power and control. One person having the power to dominate and subdue the other person sexually. 
Now, human sexuality should never involve or include any non-humans. This is something that we really have to think about when it comes to sexual morality. Human sexuality should never involve or include any non-humans. So it's not morally correct to have sex with animals. It's not morally ethical to have sex with robots, artificial intelligence, or mechanical devices. So in other words, the people who are using all type of mechanical devices, that's not natural sex. It is an artificial way of pleasing themselves. And human sexuality shouldn't involve that. Now, some people could say that is your opinion. You know, that is just your own personal belief. You know, this has nothing to do with morality. But if sexuality is between two consenting adults, that's what it's intended for. Because if we look at the human body, the anatomy of the human body, we see that the penis is supposed to go inside the vagina. The vagina is a perfect match for the penis. And the penis is a perfect match for the vagina. So they go together. So the vagina wasn't made for a mechanical device. And the penis wasn't made for a mechanical device. So just based on the nature of the human anatomy and physiology, we can see that any mechanical devices are not natural. That's just common sense. Okay? Now, sexual human sexuality should only be between consensual human adults of different genders. A lot of people may have a problem with that. But again, a penis is made for a vagina and a vagina is made for a penis. Okay? Two penises are not supposed to be hitting each other. Okay? Two vaginas are not supposed to be rubbing each other. They're doing something, but they're not having sex because human sexuality consists of a human penis in a human vagina. That is just the bottom line. So human sexuality, again, should be only between, cons between consensual human adults. That means that no pedophilia. Children can't be used for sex by adults. That's not okay. A child is not supposed to be used as a sexual toy for adults. That is morally unethical. It is a form of perversion. We clearly understand that. There's no confusion. But we do have some perverts out there who want to practice pedophilia. They want to use babies and children for their own sexual pleasure. They have no regard for that child's well-being. And that is totally unacceptable. Human sexuality is allowed only within a marriage or committed relationship. No promiscuity, adultery, casual sex, hookups, recreational sex allowed. All right, now we understand what happens when these things take place. Promiscuity. We see all these abortions and all these STDs and all these unwanted pregnancies. This is what we see. Adultery. We see all these broken marriages, all the divorces happening. Casual sex. We see all these broken heart, people suffering with all kind of emotional problems. The hookups. We see what's happening. We see the breakdown of the family, breakdown of relationship between male and female. We see all the problems. That is because human sexuality is not happening within a committed relationship or a marriage. The reason why I say marriage, because some people don't legally get married, but they live together in a house 
as if they are married and they are literally committed to each other. Sometimes in some places they call that shacking up. Okay. Sometimes they call that, you know, you living together. And some places in some countries, they honor that. You don't have to legally be married as long as you're living together as a family. Sometimes you don't need the legal paperwork in some countries. Okay? Sometimes they call that common marriage, common marriages. Now, it depends on your belief. You could get that paper, make it legal, or you can live in the house as a family together and commit it. Depends on your cultural belief, your religious belief. Now, human sexuality's primary purpose is for procreation and reproduction. That's the primary. Lovers should be prepared to take responsibility for pregnancy when it occurs. A lot of people act shocked when they get pregnant. Even if you're using contraceptives, using condoms, birth controls, diaphragm, pills, whatever you're using, shots, it doesn't matter. Human sexuality is primarily for procreation and reproduction, meaning that there can be or there will be a pregnancy at some point. So when two people lay down and have sex, you should be ready. You should be ready to take responsibility if a pregnancy happens. And a lot of people will just be so shocked. Oh my God, I'm pregnant. I don't know how that happened. It happened because you had sex. Even if you use protection, there's always that possibility. So you got to be prepared to be responsible. Whoever you're sleeping with can be the father of your child or the mother of your child. Now, human sexuality is a strong component of the relationship, but it is not the foundation. Love, respect, and commitment are the keys to a great relationship, right? Now, sexuality is the icing on the cake, but it's not the whole cake. And some people get married just because of sexuality, and they don't have a strong foundation. Now, human sexuality is a form of intimacy and bonding between two committed lovers. Human sexuality should be mutually empowering, beneficial, and pleasurable. Both partners should have a positive experience. They can use their sexual energy for connection, rejuvenation, healing, and personal growth. Now, there are different views of sexuality that people may have. Okay, we have to look at the different perspectives. Now, the way that you see sexuality, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to see sexuality the same way. Now, natural sex. Some people look at sex as something that is natural. Okay, mean that it's intrinsic meaning and purpose is to maintain a bond between two people in a healthy and committed relationship. That's a person who views sex as natural. Hypersexual. Some people are hypersexual. They tend to look at sex in an exaggerated way. They tend to take sex out of context. And they tend to make sex the in-all, be-all. They're hypersexual. Sex is the center of the relationship instead of one of the main ingredients. A person could be hypersexual and the person could be the opposite, hyposexual. This person sees sex as irrelevant. Sex is not important to them. Sex is not that serious. Sex is something that they do once in a while. 
Sometimes they may not even like it. Some people are what they call asexual when it comes to desire, not to their body parts, but you know, they just kind of leave sex out the picture. Now, dominant and submissive. Some people see sex as something that they have to use sexuality to dominate others, to take control and to, you know, just to be empowered. And other people see sex as a submissive act. This is something that they give into. This is something that's taken away. This is something that they have no control over. Right? Some people see sex as a deviant act. It's something that's perverted, something that's nasty, something that's foul and dirty, something that people do secretly. It's not something that they can be proud of. Right? Then we have affective. Some people see sex as romantic feelings, meaning that if they don't have romantic feeling for somebody, they can't not engage in sexuality with you. They call that affective. Some people see sex as hedonistic. Meaning that sex is only for fun. They don't have any more meaning. Sex is just for fun. So you, when you meet somebody, you have to identify their views on sexuality. Ask them, do you see sex as a natural thing? See sex as something that's hyper, something that's hyposexual, something that dominates or submissive, something that's deviant, something that, that's hedonistic, or something that's effective. You have to ask those questions. Because if you don't ask the questions, you're not going to know. Now, some people have sexual preference and orientation. Now, the majority of the time, globally, people are heterosexuals. The majority of the time. We could say about 98% of the world is heterosexual. That is the default state. Again, man and woman are supposed to be together because they come together to have babies. They come together to empower each other, to heal each other, to connect, to build. Opposites attract, the yin and the yang. That's the way it works. So the majority of the time, 98% of the time, people are going to be heterosexual. But we live at a time right now where people are given the option to do whatever they want to do. They could be homosexual, they could be bisexual, they could be pansexual, they could be all the above whenever they feel like it, or they could switch up. So nowadays when you meet somebody, you got to ask them, are you heterosexual? You got to ask them, are you homosexual? Are you bisexual? It's very important. We cannot assume. We can't judge people based on appearance. We got to ask these questions. We got to ask them because a lot of people are bisexual. They are homosexual when they want to have sex with the same gender and they are heterosexual when they have when they want to have sex with the opposite they are pansexual and they just don't know what they are that day they are attracted to things objects children animals they don't even know what they are so we got to be very careful when we meet people now we got to ask them what's their sexual preference and orientation so we'll know exactly what to expect and what to deal with now of course they can lie yes they can but with time they're going to reveal their sexual preference you can see who they're associated with ask them about their past history sexual history who they had sex with who they're experimenting with who they experiment in the past with now some people may have had some type of homosexual experimentation when they were younger 
Does that make them gay? No, it doesn't make them gay. It make them they had an experience. Now, does it mean that this is what they're going to do for the rest of their life? No. Whatever somebody did as a child under the age of 18, you're not really counting. Because under the age of 18, you're not really responsible for you or your behavior when it comes to sexuality. Especially at a young age. You're under 12. Before puberty, you don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. Children experiment sometimes. And it's not even a homosexual thing. All right? It's not even a sexual thing at all. Children tend to experiment. Now, some children know exactly what they're doing. Some children have no clue. They're just doing what other people are doing or they're doing what they're being told to do. So just because a person had a sexual experiment with the same gender when they were a child doesn't make them a homosexual. It doesn't make them bisexual. It just makes them a child who was experimenting. Now, once they become an adult, they have to choose their path. Some people were sexually molested. They were raped. That's the reason why they're involved in a homosexual lifestyle and a lot of times they don't want to disclose that information or they don't even remember so it's very important to talk about it moving on monogamy polygamy polyamorous you got to ask people what their sexual preferences are because sometimes people don't want to be monogamous they want to practice polygamy Now, in the United States, it's illegal to be in a polygamous marriage. You can only marry one person at a time. But there are countries where you can practice polygamy. Now, of course, you can practice polyamorous in the United States because you're not married. You can have multiple sexual partners or multiple lovers at the same time. Now, it's very important that you discuss with your lover, potential lover, before you even have sex, what they want to do. So you know exactly what's happening. Protected or unprotected sex. Don't wait till you get in the bed. Some people will not have protected sex no matter what. They don't care if they catch something. They don't care if they get people pregnant or they think that they can use the withdrawal method and that'll work for them. So you got to think about it. Do you want to have protected sex? And if you do, what type of protection you're going to use? Now, orgies, threesomes, partner exchange. They call it wife and husband swapping. Now, you got to ask these people these questions. Because you don't know what they're into. You don't want no surprises. Now, prostitution, sex for hire. Ask your partner, have they ever hired somebody for sex? Did they ever pay for sex? It's important for you to know because that tells you these people's sexual values. Do they ever engage in casual sex, one night stand, or anonymous sex? They go to a bar, grab somebody, and don't even know their names. They, they get on a, one of those um, sexual hookup apps and just go meet somebody and have random sex. That's going to tell you a lot about a person. Okay, continuing. Sexual acts, activities, and fantasies. Ask these partners, these future partners about their sexual acts. What do they want? They want vagina sex. They want oral sex. They want anal sex. They want masturbation. They're into public sex. Public sex is when they go into a public place and have sex, whether it be the bathroom, whether it be the park, the beach, in the car. You got to ask these questions. Are they into pornography? A lot of people have pornographic addictions and they hide them. They don't tell you. So it's good to ask questions. Do they need pornography in order to have sex? Is pornography a, a foreplay for them? It's a form of foreplay. 
Do they like to have kinky sex? They're into sadism, masochism. Sadists like to inflict pain for them to become sexually aroused. Masochists like to receive pain to be sexually aroused. Are they into sexual toys? Ask them. It's called kinky sex. Do they like to videotape themselves when they have sex or videotape their lovers? Do they believe in sexual dirty talking, including verbal degradation? Do you mind someone calling you a bitch, a slut, or a whore? If you have a problem with that, some people find it to be sexy and a turn-on. But sex should not include any type of verbal degradation. If you're shaming somebody, degrading them, putting them down, that's not cool. Now, sex texting. Some people like to go back and forth with their lovers on text. Sexual role-playing. Sex in different places. They like to go to the hotel and have sex. They like to go in the backyard and have sex. They like to go camping to have sex. You got to ask these questions. And if any of these things make you uncomfortable, you don't want to have no anal sex because you know the booty is not for that, then you need to tell the person that, hey, I'm not going to engage in that because there's a lot of medical risks. It's a lot of tears, bleeding, right? That makes it more easier for diseases to be transmitted. And a lot of people have to go to the emergency room because they have all type of tears and infections, all kind of problem in their butt. And if you don't want to put yourself at risk for any of that, you need to make it very clear that you're not engaging in those type of activities, right? Now, sexual expectation, conditions, frequency, and duration. duration. Very important. You got to talk about this. Being sexually present in the moment and not preoccupied, distance or absence from the act. You got to talk about that. Some people are having sex and their minds are like a million miles away. They're thinking about what they're going to cook tomorrow. They, they're thinking about the vacation that's coming up. The, the, you know, they're they, they thinking about the work that's due at work. They're thinking about taking the kids to the park. Or they're thinking about somebody that they were with in the past. Or they're preoccupied you know, with something else. So if you're going to have sex, you have to be mentally, emotionally present. Right? Being totally engaged and passionate during sexual experience. No unnecessary sexual hang-ups, inhibitions, restrictions, or limitations. No fears of being judged or labeled. Ask how, you, ask how did you get your skills or experience or who did you do that with. All right? Some people are afraid to be uninhibited with their partners. They're afraid to let loose because they think their partner's going to judge them and ask them where did they learn that from and how often they did it, okay? Now, concerns about anatomical size and body parts fitting properly. The person is too big, penis, vagina, or too small, okay? Some people have concerns about their anatomic size. If that's a concern you have, then you need to discuss that with your partner, because there's a lot of things that you all can do in terms of position if the person is too big or too small that can really help enhance your experience. Now, willing to put effort to keep sex interesting, exciting, and creative. Now, if you're going to be in a committed relationship, you're going to be with this person for the rest of your life. Now, you have to keep sex interesting. It doesn't mean that you have to make it a chore or a task. It's not a job. But it's something that you willingly do to keep interest in your partner and to keep your partner interested in you. 
All right, sex is natural, it's beautiful. But at the same time, you can be very creative. There's different things you can do to be creative and natural at the same time. Okay, now who is going to initiate sex? Some cultures promote that only men can initiate sex. It's forbidden for a woman to do so. Some men have a problem when women initiate sex. They feel she's taking the male role or being too aggressive. Some women fear rejection or fear the man may not be ready to perform if she takes the initiative. Okay, so this is something that we have to look into. You have to ask your man, is it okay for you to take the initiative to initiate sex? If he has a problem with that, then you have to respect that. And maybe he has to learn to trust you. He has to learn to relax and get comfortable and you can pick up when he's ready, right? That's something that you all have to communicate about. Now, what positions do you prefer to have sex in? Some people only believe in a missionary position and other people are forbidden. They are just forbidden to engage in any other position. Women on top is not encouraged by some cultures because it seems that the woman is taking on the male role or she is controlling or she's domineering. It depends on the culture or the personal preference. So these are the questions that you have to ask your mate. What do you prefer? How long will sex last? Is it okay if, la if it lasts a few minutes or you mind a marathon? A lot of men are accustomed to having quickies. They like quickie sex and may not be focused on maintaining an erection to please their partner for a longer period of time. Some women can't tolerate sex for a long time due to lack of lubrication, discomfort, or pain. Again, this is a very intimate conversation that lovers need to have. How long do they want sex to last? Very simple. Is it okay for it to last a few minutes? Both parties are content and satisfied, then it's okay. If both parties want to run a marathon and they want to have sex for hours, take a break and start again, it's okay. Whatever makes the couple happy. You can't compare yourself to other people. You can't do what the people are doing in the porn pictures. You can't keep up with the Jones. You don't need to do what your girlfriend did or your guy friend did. You have to do what makes you happy. Now, how often you want to have sex? Some people want to have sex every day, once a week, every month. It all depends on the couple, whatever makes y'all happy. Sex during period or menstruation. Some women think it helps relieve cramps. Some women don't mind having sex when they have their period. Some guys think it's gross, it's disgusting, it's unsanitary, and they don't want to do that. And some women feel the same way. They don't want to have sex because they're in pain, they're hurting, they're uncomfortable. They don't want to do that. That's a discussion you're going to have to ask. Okay? Now, sex during sickness, crisis, or disaster. Some people, whenever they stress out, they don't want to have sex. They lose all sexual interest. You got to find out. Sex during marital or relationship problems. If there's any type of disagreement, argument, problem, some people shut down. They don't want to have sex. Some people, they have sex to make up when they go through a difficulty or they have sex to bring them back together to connect them. Okay. Now sex during pregnancy or postpartum period. It's important for you to talk about when you're going to have sex. When is it okay to have sex? How long you want to have sex? Where you want to have sex? What is the good position for you to have sex? 
Very important. All right? Now, sexual arousal and erotic triggers. That's the area of compatibility. What things, objects, or experience turn you on sexually? That is a very personal question. Everybody's going to give you a different answer. Some people like sex when they are turned on by a nude person. They like to see their lover nude. Some people, they like to see their lover in sexy lingeries or sexual clothing. Some people, you know, get turned on when their lovers dance for them. Or their lover is doing something sexy. Everybody gets turned on sexually by different things. So you have to ask those questions. Now, what conditions, state of mind, or circumstances that make you want to have sex? Some people, they have an automatic trigger. Every morning they wake up, the sun is rising. Some men will rise with the occasion. So they want to have sex every morning. That is a ritual that they want to do. Some people want to have sex before they go to sleep at night. Some people want to have sex in the shower. Every time they take a shower, they want their partner to get in there, take a shower and get a quickie or get a, you know, marathon going. And that's what they do. Okay. So those conditions, they automatically are programmed. Some people like to have sex whenever they put the kids to bed. The house is quiet. They have time. They're going to run and they're going to do their thing. Right. So you got to ask these questions. When sexual activity is a taboo or completely off limits, you have to be able to share with your partner What is off limits? You have your limits. There are things that you won't do. There are things that make you uncomfortable. There are things that are against your moral code, against your religious doctrine, your spiritual belief. And you shouldn't have to do those things. You don't have to. Those are the things that you shouldn't have to do. And you should make those very clear to your partner. You don't want to engage in anal sex? No, I don't want to do that. You don't want to get into orgies? No, I don't want to do that. You don't want to get threesomes? No, I don't want to do that. You don't want to use sex toys? No, I don't want to do that. That's against my religious or my spiritual or my personal belief. You got to make it very clear so they have a clear understanding. Now, there are other things that you want to do. And you and your partner can decide what can you do to spice up your sexual life. Now, sexual foreplay and afterplay. A lot of people have no idea about sexual foreplay. They're just clueless, but it's something that you have to learn to do. Now, emotional bonding and intimacy, being close and connected on a personal level, sharing conversation and laughter, having fun and enjoying each other's companionship. That is part of sexual foreplay. Now, sexual foreplay is not always sexual. It's just the way that you treat your partner all the time. If you're emotionally bonding and you're intimate, it makes it easier for you to have sex. Being physically affectionate, you're touching, you're kissing, you're holding. I mean, those are things that are part of sexual foreplay. A lot of people don't understand that. They just want to jump and just have sex. But you got to be physically affectionate You got to, you know, kiss and hug and do the things that turn that person on and prepare them because a woman's body has to be prepared to have sex. A man, once he has an erection, that's it. He's ready. But a woman has to be prepared. That's the reason why she has to lubricate because when she lubricate, that means she's ready to receive. But if she's all dried up, that means that she's not ready. And some people, the solution is just throw in some lubricants. Go get you some, some, some lubricant. That's not the solution. 
The solution is turning her on. Okay? Increasing that physical affection, touching and kissing and foreplay. Being sexually playful, flirtatious, teasing, or being seductive with your mate. That's what turns her on. Not just getting some lubricant. That's just ridiculous. A lot of these guys don't know nothing about no foreplay. And obviously some women don't know nothing about foreplay either. All right? Now create a sexual atmosphere with music, scent, candles, taste, with food, lights, room temperature. All those things create a sexual atmosphere. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't know how to set the mood. That's the good old-fashioned way. Now, we live in a society where people don't know anything about romance. They don't know anything about passion. They don't know anything about sexuality. They don't know anything about sensuality. And it's time to learn. Now, sexual dancing and playful wrestling, those are all forms of foreplay. Sexual dancing. Put on that nice love song. Put on some of that Teddy P. And go ahead on and a little reggae. Grind and wine, little Afro beat, okay? Playful wrestling. That's touching and, and doing all type of motions and movement. Sensual massages. Yes, learning to massage your body. Touching and rubbing and relieving the stress. All that is sexual foreplay. Caressing, intimate baths and showers. People used to do all these things a long time ago. Come together and take baths together. Spend time together. Now it's just a hit it and run. Makes no sense. Continuing. Sexual routines, patterns and habits. Sex, specific time of the day, week and month. Some people like to have sex on a particular day. Predictable. It doesn't have to be that way. You could do whatever you want to do. Sex during a specific occasion. Some people have sex on birthday, birthday sex, anniversary sex. We even have payday sex. All right, now you can create a special occasion, specific occasion for you to have sex in a different way. Do it in a different way. Add certain special features, go places and do things. Taking a shower immediately after sex or using the toilet after sex. Now, this is good medical practice for the ladies and for the men. Okay, because you don't give bacteria, bacterias and germs time to go up the sexual reproductive parts, right? Take a shower after you have sex. Make it part of your after play. Okay, get up and take a shower. Pee so you can get rid of the bacteria and the germs that may be in your private area. Okay, you be fresh and clean. Okay, going to sleep, meditating and relaxing immediately after sex. That is the sexual routine. Some people have to meditate. They gotta relax after sex. Some people go straight to sex. They go straight to sleep. Getting something to eat, drink, or smoke after sex. Staying naked after sex or putting clothes back on. These are the different things that people do as far as sexual routine patterns or habits. Now, sexual past experience. Right? Some people have no sexual past experience. They are a virgin. They know nothing about sex. No experience. They've never had a lover. Some people are naive. They're inexperienced. They had sex, but they don't have a lot of experience. They don't have a lot of sexual, what they call, bodies. You know, they may be a little passive or they may be a little shy. Okay, some people are curious and they love to experiment. They're open to try new sexual activities. Some people ex are experienced and knowledgeable. They study sexuality and they learn personal from their own personal experience how to be a good lover. 
Some people are experienced lovers and they have experienced sexual orgasm and some people have never had an orgasm in their life. It all depends. People say sexual experience. Some people had different types of orgasm. All right, there's different types of orgasm. Not just one type, there's different kinds. Some people have been promiscuous in their past. Hookups, one night stands, high body count. You know, sex was a recreational thing for them. Some people, they didn't do any of that. Some people are into pornography. Some people are not. Transactional sex, some people actually paid to play. Sex was used as a form of currency. Sex in ex- exchange for time, energy, transportation, and labor. Some people, you know, felt like they're entitled to get something for sex. You got to find out people's sexual history. All right, sexual history. All right, find out if they had any childhood experiences. Again, molestation, experiments, any type of sexual trauma, sexual assault, rape, sexual experimentation, sexual hangups, sexual triggers. What makes them feel uncomfortable? Very important to find these things out. Now, factors that can cause sexual compatibility within an existing relationship. Now, again, people are changing all the time. People are changing all the time. People don't stay the same. So in your relationship, you could have been compatible initially when you got married 10 years ago, when you got together five years ago, when you got together two years ago. Now things have changed. Why? Because the values have changed. Sexual values change. Beliefs change. Mentality change. Personality, lifestyle, and desire. People change. People can be compatible and become incompatible. Okay? Now relationship problems. If you have mistrust, miscommunication, mistreatment, and mistakes have been made, of course, relationship problems will change your sexual compatibility. Some people may no longer want to be sexually involved with their partners, even though they are in a relationship. No longer sexually attracted to their partner. Maybe because of physical appearance, poor hygiene, lack of self-care. People gain too much weight, lose too much weight. Right? Some people have sexual boredom and disinterest. They've been together for so long, they don't even, you know, see each other that way anymore. Now they're more like roommates. They like just parents living together to raise kids. Okay? Sometimes they just together to pay the bills. They have other interests besides sex. Now, poor body image. Some people, they were, when they first got into a relationship, they felt sexy. They felt attracted. They felt, you know, very, very sexually appealing. And five years later, maybe they don't feel that way no more. And that changes their sexual behaviors and expectation. Stressful situations. Some people may have problems at the job. Parenting is too difficult. They're having financial problems, household responsibilities. It's just overwhelming. And they're no longer sexually compatible with their partner due to this stressful situation. Sexual problems. Some people may suffer erectile dysfunction, low libido. You know, just, you know, they just don't have the sexual desire anymore. They may be due to a medical problem, emotional, mental health problem, or drug and alcohol addiction. They got to find out. They're no longer compatible. Compulsive sexual behaviors and addiction to pornography. Now, that will definitely change a couple's compatibility sexually. They're busy having sex by themselves, masturbating all the time, 
All right. Now, of course, adultery. If someone is having sex with someone else, of course, their compatibility may change with you. Medical problems, mental health disorders, traumatic events. If somebody's in a chronic crisis state, they're being abused or they're going through a natural disaster, of course, they may not be interested in sex. Having an affair or cheating or flirting with somebody else. I mean, that's always the case. You know, your, your sexual life will change. So this is all about sexual compatibility, and hopefully you all learn something when you meet people, you know, if you're already in a relationship or you're trying to get sexual with somebody that you already know, it's very important to talk about sexuality, find out how compatible you are. If you're not compatible, maybe you can work through those issues and become compatible. If you're not, then maybe you need to reconsider this person as a long-time permanent lover. Thank you.